And so I was watching a lot of my friends who were doing what you just said. They had not done anything for so long and they were struggling. Their kids were leaving. They didn't know what to do with themselves. And so that kind of gave me the idea, well, I want to be able to do that before my kids leave. You know, I need to find something to focus on so that I'm not just sitting here thinking, what now, what do I do next? Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. Have you ever wanted to just quit your job so you could sit and read all the books? I confess, I used to dream of that. I'm so excited for you to meet today's guest, Cindy Burnett, because she has recreated herself in midlife to become the host of the Thoughts from a Page podcast, where she interviews authors about their latest works. So she gets to read a lot. Isn't that cool? She used to be a lawyer and spent many years as a stay-at-home mom, volunteering for all the things related to her kids' school and activities. As they started getting older, she realized she needed something that was just for her. So she slowed down her involvement in all the volunteer spots to give herself some time to read. But she's not one to sit still for long. She's always been an avid reader and loves to talk about books everywhere she can, which led her to start reviewing and promoting books and then partnered with a friend to start an author event series called Conversations from a Page that brings authors and readers together in a relaxed and welcoming setting. And the group recently added an online book club as well. Crazy, right? By the way, we spoke way back in July, so you might notice some references to summertime and feel like you're in a time warp when we reference upcoming months that have already passed us by. You might even notice a lawnmower in the background towards the end. I have to say, it made me miss summer as I was listening to this in editing, and we're just heading into winter, but hey, my Christmas tree is up, I have a cup of hot coffee in front of me, and life is good. So, without further ado, here's Cindy Burnett. Let's go. Hey, Cindy, thank you so much for being with me today. Hello, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's a good day. I'm just so glad to talk to you today. I love what you're doing. Um, You've got a whole literary salon that you're running with a friend that you made while you guys were moms and co-chairing on different things together, right? And our connection is through, is kind of, if you look at it through Julie Carrick Dalton, right? That's exactly right. I interviewed her in January and then we follow each other on our pages on Instagram and I saw her interview with you and I reached out to you. So that's exactly yeah, right. Yeah. And for anybody who is is trying to remember back, Julie Carrick Dalton, she was back on episode 55. If anybody wants to go back and listen to it after we talk about things. Um, but what a cool lady and what a cool story she had. And uh, did, did you end now, did you end up having her on your podcast as well? 
Yes. So I hosted her and Nancy Johnson, who were very close friends, writing partners, best friends. We hosted them for our salon online in February. And then I interviewed both Julie and Nancy separately for the podcast. Very cool. So you're talking to writers and different people in the publishing area about their process, the business, all that stuff, right? Yes. So, so I, oh, sorry. Oh, no. I was just going to say, tell me how like all this came about because I know you started off as a lawyer. So back on the podcast, just quickly, I interview authors and I started out just interviewing authors. And then I noticed that people were sometimes asking questions more related to publishing. So I have started branching out. I've started branching out a little bit and I've done publicists and I have done booksellers and I launched a Patreon where I do talk to two bookstagrammers every month and a bookseller every month about their bookstore and what people are buying in their area. So I really am kind of broadening it lately and finding more in the publishing industry versus just authors, but I love talking to anybody about books. Yeah. Which is just fascinating. I mean, for anybody who loves books to be able to hear for me, it's like, Ooh, tell me about the behind this. How does, how do books get put out in the world? Like, how does that happen? So that's, that's great that you're doing that work. Um, and let's go back then and talk about how you got to doing this work. Cause this is new for you, right? New in the last five years, yes. Yeah, yeah. And how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 52. I think we, 52, right? And so mid-40s is when this started as an endeavor. So I'm going to, let's go back a little bit in your history, talk about how you went from being a lawyer uh, and so on. I'll, let's start from there, maybe. Sure. Unless you want to so, go back further. Go no, back. That's, <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, I went to law school and when I got out, I practiced healthcare law. I did that for about seven years until I had my oldest, who's 20. And then I wanted to work part-time instead because, you know, she was young. And then I got pregnant again pretty quick, actually. So my first two were 20 months apart. Ooh, so yeah. um, I thought, well, I'd like to keep working, but I need to do it part-time. So I then, I guess they're 22 months apart. Actually, I said that wrong. They're 22 months apart. And I wanted to keep working, but I didn't want to work full-time. So I started working part-time two days a week, and but it was for a guy who did all these arbitrations. And so I would find, as many women do, that part-time doesn't always translate to part-time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it'd be great in the off-season when the arbitrations weren't happening and we weren't ready to go. But as soon as they would ramp up, I needed to be there all the time. And I just mm -hmm. couldn't do that. I got pregnant again. So I have three kids in about four and a half years. And so I just needed something I needed to be home with them or something that was going to be more flexible. So I stopped work, kept up with them while they were really young, you know, volunteered, kept volunteering. That's how I met Krista Hensel, my literary salon co-founder. And then eventually I felt, you know, I need something for myself, not just participating in all of their events and, you know, kind of keep something for my own. I think as a mother, you can sort of lose your sense of identity, your feeling of, you know, I don't do a single thing for myself kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of ramped back or pushed, pulled back on the volunteering. And I started reading more because I've always loved to read since I was little. I mean, I've just been a voracious reader. Mm -hmm. And a friend mentioned to me a Facebook group. Like I didn't even know these Facebook book groups existed. And this was probably probably five or six years ago. And so they weren't as big as they are now, but they were still big. I mean, I think the group had a thousand people in it and oh, you know, people yeah. were talking books and authors were in there. And I learned about this whole world of 
getting a book early and reviewing it and writing about books and just kind of all of it. And so it just sort of snowballed from there. I started out with that group and then eventually trying to think of what came next. I think I started the salon. I actually hosted an event for an author friend here in Houston. And we had, I had so many people attend and we sold so many books and had such great feedback. I was like, oh, maybe I should do that again. And that's when I reached out to my friend that's the co-founder now because she has this beautiful, spacious home. And it's really hard to, to do both the event, you know, keep up with the author, interview them, but also be the hostess, you know, uh-huh. so you can't really do it all. And right. so I said, would you want to do this with me? And we can, you know, use your home. Cause she loves to host. You can kind of take care of the host part. I'll take care of the author part. She loved the idea. We did another one. It was a big success. People were like, when's your next one? And I was like, Oh, I hadn't really thought about it. <laughs> so then we just kept going and created our website and logo and, you know, everything was just completely plugging along just like everybody else until March, 2020. And then, you know, things kind of slowed down a bit, but we moved online, which was not nearly as successful as in person, but we're coming back. We have one in September, October, and December this fall, you know, barring Delta and Lambda variants. Right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah. Fingers crossed there. Um, that's um, that's yeah. so amazing. It really is just <laughs> the coolest thing because I, I love it. And in the middle of there, I think actually the very first thing I did was launch my Instagram. I tried to decide between Instagram and blog, and I'm not a huge blog follower myself. And Instagram at the time, again, was a much smaller book community than it is now. But you know, everything's in one place and you can just scroll through and see everybody's recommendations and post your reviews there. So I launched that account and then everything just kind of kept snowballing. I write a couple of articles for a Houston magazine. And then in COVID, I launched the podcast. So I just feel like I get to live books, which is a dream for me. That is a dream. That is a dream, man. Oh man. And, and so, and the podcast, I, I mean, you produce that I I have a hard time keeping up with once a week and you are just churning them out. It's amazing. How are you keeping up? I just have to well, ask. You know, it's it is it's a difficult thing. So when I first decided to do it, and your episodes are an hour long, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. mine are like between 25, 28 minutes. So I targeted two of those a week, mm-hmm. um, Tuesday and Friday, because Tuesday's public publication day for books. So I wanted to do Tuesday and then I wanted to spread another day out. So I did Friday. People could listen on the weekend and all of that. So I thought, well, I hope I can fill those days. (laughs) Um, And so I reached out to authors that I knew and, you know, it was all going along great to a week. And then I got on all these lists for publishers. And so I get pitched. I would say I get pitched at least 20 books a week. And so I first I was like, oh, I don't want to pass up on so and so. And, you know, I just kind of felt this almost FOMO, you know, like this. I don't want to miss out on a particular person by saying no. But then that means that I have generated an incredible number of episodes and it's just me and and an editor. I mean, I don't have a team. I don't have an assistant, you know, just somebody who helps me edit and me. So I have really been working on that. I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful problem to have. And I'm certainly not complaining, but I've been trying to figure out the best way to balance because it's, it is kind of, you know, a little overwhelming, but my kids are older too. So, I mean, I don't, you know, I, and I do most of my stuff from home with writing articles and a lot of these things overlap and, you know, people will say, oh, you know, you're doing so much and I am, but 
a book I read goes, you know, a lot of times I'll interview the author, it'll go in an article, it'll be a salon, you know, so it, there's not like each project requires a lot of separate work, if that makes okay. sense. Okay. Yeah. That's so you know? smart. When, now, when you first started the podcast and you said you started with authors, you knew it occurs to me. So, so how did you already know those authors? Is it because of your participation in the Facebook groups or did it come about through your Instagram page and meeting them via Instagram or like, how, how did you already know authors to start with? Well, it's kind of a combination of things, actually. I did meet a few from the Facebook group, but there's a huge conference in New York that they don't have anymore after COVID. They've decided to cancel it, but it's called Book Expo. Mm -hmm. So I had gone to that for three years and it's in New York City and authors from all over come you know, come to New York for the conference and a group of us, publishers have all these parties, which I have attended. And then also a couple of the bookstagrammers have big parties. And so I'd met a number of them there but also some of them were people I'd hosted for the salon. So it was just a variety. And then after I did two or three, I knew I just reached out to people. I sent emails through author pages. And, you know, of course, you've got to figure we're in the heart of the pandemic. So everything has changed for authors. You know, they're used to doing all these big tours and meeting right. people and everybody's, you know, their book is getting lost in the midst of COVID, you know? And so mm -hmm. I think people were probably more willing as I think back on it to say yes, then, then, you know, maybe they ordinarily would have been because everybody was happy for the press. But I mean, I only had like one person say no. So it was great. And then I somehow just started getting all of these emails. It was just the funniest thing. You know, I would open up my, and I'm like, oh, now I'm on this big list. And, oh, you know, so I guess, you know, the publishers are probably like anybody else. They comb all the different media outlets and then you kind of get added on. Yeah, man. Oh man. What has this journey been like for you? How have you, I'll tell you for one thing for me, just starting a podcast this year has been a, a tremendous personal journey just to produce the pot, just to learn how to produce it and make it happen and then meet the people that I've met this year, um, and interviewed and just, just all of it. And, and every, every single bit of it that goes into making it happen. Now you've got, you know, the, you, you've got like this triptych of, um, Instagram and the salon and your podcast besides your writing, not, let's go beyond the triptych, right. You, that you're, you got a lot going on. So what has that done for you personally? I have to wonder. I've loved it. I am super type A. So before I launched the podcast, because people have been suggesting the podcast for years, ever since the salon started, I'm not really a podcast listener. So I was like, I don't even really know what a podcast is. I mean, I generally knew what it was, but I didn't know the formats people used. I didn't know what they did. I'm not a super extra chit chatty person. So, you know, the ones where people just kind of talk about I don't know, whatever at the beginning for 20 minutes never really appeals to me. So I just was like, hmm. But then COVID hit and I had a lot of free time and I'm super anxious about what was happening and I was doom scrolling. And I thought I've really got to have something to pull me out of this and, and something to focus on. And so I was like, well, I'll try the podcast. So I spent about six to eight weeks researching, laying out, because you know, there's so many more steps. At least I felt there were so many more steps 
to get a podcast out than I'd ever dreamt. Do you know, like I was like, oh, you record, you put it up. No. So, you know, just trying to go through all of that, the hosting site, the recording site, the editing site, the social media, you know, trying to kind of figure out how I was going to do that. So I laid out a plan. And I would say 90% of that plan has stayed in place. The only thing I have altered is my recording platform a couple of times. But other than that, and then I joined a podcast network, so I switched my host. But other than that, I mean, I've stayed with, you know, the stuff that I originally came up with. And I have loved it. You know, every once in a while, I'm a little overwhelmed. Or I'll say, maybe I wish I hadn't, you know, agreed to this interview. But Every time I get on the mic and, you know, recording platform with an author and we start an interview, I think I am so glad I did this. Like I learned something from everybody. There hasn't been a single person who I felt it was an uncomfortable interview or they were unkind or, you know, we were at, at odds with each other. I have just loved it. I mean, it has been such a gift, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you, you say that you are a type. A, I mean, you, you were a lawyer, right? (laughs) So what I find fascinating is that is how we have like who we were when we were young, right? What we thought we wanted to do. And I don't know if becoming a lawyer was like a, um, was it a checking the box thing for you? Was that like, oh, being a lawyer is a good thing to do. I'm going to try to become a lawyer or was there some other, like what, what, what had you go down the path of becoming a lawyer to begin with? Well, originally I wanted to be an astronaut and then wow. I thought, oh, that'd be so great. And I love math. Math is what I majored in. I love uh-huh. math. All three of my kids love math. My husband loves math. We're just one of those kind of math geek families. And so I always thought, oh, that would be so fabulous to go into space. I've always been completely intrigued with it. I love any space story. I try to read every astronaut biography, every Apollo story, but I cannot tolerate the movement. I am so motion sick. And so as soon as I kind of started, you know, focusing on some of those things, and I was like, there's no way I can, you know, even make it out of our orbit, let alone onto the moon, that I thought, well, I need to, you know, think about something else. So for a long time, I wanted to be a judge. And so I went to law school so I could be a judge. How did you say I want to be a judge? I have a very strong sense of what I feel like is wrong and right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that a judge sort of implements something like that. And that appealed to me. And so for a long time, I thought that would be really interesting. But once I went to law school and then I was thinking about what I wanted to do, I ended up deciding instead I would just practice. Yeah. Yeah. And so you got into healthcare law and how long were you doing that for before you ended up backing off from it because of motherhood? I did healthcare for seven years, and then mm-hmm. I did securities arbitration for about two, two and mm-hmm. a half, and then I stopped. Yeah. Wow. Did you miss it when you moved on? Not at all. Um, <laughs> it was probably not the right career for me, and I really talk with my kids a lot about that, you know, find the thing you want to do. And I think there's so much more of that, even, I mean, as I was coming up, there was, but now people shift careers and jobs so much more than they used to. Mm -hmm. And so I think 
I probably just didn't explore enough what the options would be, but I mean, I made so many great friends and connections and I liked my life as a lawyer. I just didn't like the work, if that makes sense. Like I didn't mind the long hours, but I just felt the actual work was not very appealing to me. Yeah. And I guess where I'm going with, with why I'm asking you these questions is because it seems to me that, that former lawyers do well in whatever they decide to do next. Um, and I, I, I have a theory that the, the training that you get as a lawyer and um, it translates into being able to successfully run a business um, that, that you, can, you can take, well, you can speak to that better than I can. Well, I think first the training in law school really teaches you a lot. You know, there's a ton of reading, a ton of analyzing, a ton of writing. So that pretty much covers everything. I mean, you know, you've got to learn to think for yourself, the analytical thinking. You've got to learn to digest, you know, so many pages of reading and cases and to put them together. You're not just putting one case together, but you're taking four or five and trying to pull the parts that are relevant for whatever it is you're writing about or your test or you know, whatever it is that you're focusing on. And then I think once you get out of law school and you're practicing law, it's a similar thing. I think it depends on what you're doing. You know, if you're in the trial field or arbitration, then you're practicing totally differently than I did. But again, I was doing a lot of contracts and some, some, a little bit of mediation. So I think it just depends, but yes, I mean, I think you learn a lot and you have to use a lot of skills. Yeah. And then you took those skills and transferred them into being a, an active mom at your kid's school. Right. right? And, and co-chairing several events and and things. And that's how you met Krista. Right. And we were the head of our, they, they call it parent guild. It's the equivalent of PTO. Mm -hmm. And so we ran that, which is a really big job at my kid's school. So we ran that together the year that our, um, her oldest and my middle were in eighth grade. And so we became good friends then. Yeah. Yeah. So you had like these skills that I think just transferred so well into that. I, I feel like moms, um, in particular women who leave the workforce and raise their kids, what can happen to us? Because I, I took some time out too. I, in my mid thirties is when I really started. I had always wanted to be an actor. I did it for close to 10 years. Um, and once I had kids, I realized I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, so I stepped back, but then five years of like, well, who the heck am I now? And what am I going to do? And um finally translated into me finding photography, thank God, um, because that saved me. And, you know, I think it's like you, you get lost in the sauce, the, the you in the whole equation can get so lost. And then your kids grow up and, and they're walking out the door eventually. And then where are you? Um, and I think, it can leave so many people feeling lost as to what to do next, because now you've got a huge gap in what would have been your career. Um, and how do you step back into that? I find it fascinating that you have done something that's so true to you um, and, and your interests and what you love and you've used, you've taken your skills and it's all just like, it's, it's kind of magical. I do feel like it's magical sometimes. And, you know, 
As you're talking about that, I was thinking about another component of it that I hadn't thought about in a while. So my oldest daughter is 20 Mm -hmm. and she, of her group of friends, she was the youngest for, I mean, she's the oldest in my house, but many of her friends were the youngest in their household with a lot Mm -hmm. of older siblings. Mm -hmm. And so I was watching a lot of my friends who were doing what you just said. They had not done anything for so long and they were struggling. Their kids were leaving. They didn't know what to do with themselves. And so that kind of gave me the idea, well, I want to be able to do that before my kids leave. You know, Mm -hmm. I need to find something to focus on so that I'm not just sitting here thinking, what now, what do I do next? And so that kind of began the idea of thinking, okay, I need to try to figure out something to do and then go from there. And, you know, the funniest side effect to me of, you know, and I worked part-time at a bookstore for a little while. That was another thing I was doing was that my, I felt it was such a benefit to my kids One, because they saw me as having something that was totally unrelated to them. Mm -hmm. I had hours. I couldn't just not show up. I couldn't bring them something when they left it at home. You know, I said, I'm so sorry. I am at work and, you know, there's no one here to relieve me. And Mm -hmm. I felt it was really, really beneficial for them. And that was something I hadn't thought about as when I started out. Yeah. It, and I, I was actually going to be my next question to you. That's amazing that you, you, you went there because for me, it was important for my kids to see that I have things that interest me that I am, am, am willing to go after and go for. And, um, I, I want to model for them what I hope that they will do in their life, which is to stay curious and to keep going after what it is that they find interesting, you know? Um, so what, what a great way to model that for you. How, how do, do you, I mean, your kids are older than mine. Can you see the results at all of how this plays out for your daughters? Well, I think they know it's important to me that I have something that's, you know, mine, but I also think that they all realized, okay, you know, we really do have to get our own acts together and they already have, I mean, they're fabulous kids, but you know, occasionally somebody would forget something or they'd want me to bring them lunch or whatever. And it was just (laughs) good for them to realize, okay, there are certain days where she's just not going to be able to do that. And I felt like that was helpful, but you know, they're all, I think it's an interesting time period. And I think both of my girls are seeing that this summer with where they work and so many people not showing up or coming late and early. I, I, I think there's a bit of a shift going on with the workforce. And I think we're reading about that all of the time and mm-hmm. the newspaper. And so I'll be curious to see what it's all like when we're outside the pandemic eventually, and also just to see how it all shakes out. Yeah. I think our kids are just going to have such a different experience of, of work Mm-hmm. than, than we had, than our parents had, you know, um, amazing. I mean, so much has changed since our parents were, you know, um, actively in the workforce and all that. And, and how much whew, just seismic change for our kids. Right? Well, that's what I was referencing earlier. My dad worked for Exxon his entire career. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think anybody does that now. You know, I mean, literally he came out of business school until he retired. That's who he worked for. And yeah. I just think it's really interesting because you just don't see that now. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing, huh? Um, whew, just, just incredible. What, um, oh my gosh, I know what I've been wanting to ask you. <laughs> And I'm like, like, hmm. (laughs) I just want to ask you, what are you reading right now? 
Well, right now, I just finished a book called The Reading List, and it's by Sarah Nisha Adams, and it comes out in August, so it will be out by the time this runs. And it is, I just love books about books. So this is a reading list of eight classics, and the list kind of floats around to these different people and eventually you understand in the story how it came about, but it, it brings a couple of people sort of out of the, the lives they're living and the struggles they have by, by helping them out with books. So, so it's a novel. It's a novel so that it, traces kind of eight, I think Pride and Prejudice, The Kite Runner. I can't remember mm. all of them, Rebecca and it kind of, uh, The Life of Pi. So mm. it goes through eight mm. stories and it's organized by the book. So it goes through the eight books and just deals actually really with the lives of these two people who are struggling with some personal issues and they become friends. One's an older man and one's a younger woman and they become friends, kind of, you know, pseudo family for each other because they both are lacking a little bit of that. And then it's just how these story, they read each, they read the stories, not together in terms of like sitting together, but they each are reading the books at the same time and then talking about them. So it's just a beautiful book. I really, oh, really liked it. Very cool. And who's it by again? It's Sarah. And I guess it's Nisha. It's N-I-S-H-A Adams. Okay, cool. And I then I just read in the show notes for people. I just read The Right of Her Life by Elizabeth Letts. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's about Annie Wilkins. And in the in her 60s, and it was in 1954, she rode her horse from Maine to California. What? Took her almost two years. So so it's nonfiction. She has written, you know, that um, I think it's the 80, 80. $80 horse. I mean, she's written a couple of other books, but I just interviewed her actually my, that episode goes live today. Wow. And I just loved that book. So it's nonfiction and it tells this story. And of course, you know, 1954, there's obviously no internet, there's no GPS, there's just map, you know, little regional maps. And so she's this you know, poor woman coming out of Maine and so doesn't have a lot of education. And so she just sort of picks up maps as she goes. So she makes this incredibly long winding, you know, trail to California. Like if you looked at her path today, you would be like, she took like double the time that it would have taken to get there. But, you know, she didn't have a U.S. map and highways were just beginning to be built. So, oh my you know, gosh, she just, this might need to be my next book. Oh, it's so, so good. And her horse, her horse, Tarzan, and then a little dog that she took with her. And along the way, somebody makes these little leather shoes for the dog. And sometimes the dog rides up on the horse. Sometimes the dog walks. And, oh my god um, it's like travels with charlie yes, only exactly. like exactly oh, holy cannoli wow yeah, it was really cool. really good so very cool oh gosh i'm so excited about that one i love historical fiction the other one that i read this year that i just thought was amazing was the invisible woman by erica roebuck and mm. it's about uh, virginia hall who was an american she had a prosthetic leg she went over on behalf of the french resistance and helped out during world war ii and is decorated and ended up surviving, even though she participated in all these very dangerous missions and then came back and lived in the U.S. until she passed away. So, oh my gosh. Wow. Really, wow. really good. What, I mean, I have a question for you about like, so much of what you're doing right now is, is based on the technology um, that's available to us now, right? This, this is like, I mean, you could have done what you're doing, only it would have all been in print form, right? It would have been True. things that you would have had to have submitted through um, other literary magazines, probably. I mean, to start your own, your own thing, 
which is what you've done. It's one of the things that I find so exciting about the time that we live in. We, we can do so much more now of our own accord because the lack of gatekeepers, there was a time when, when this, when what you're doing would have been a much more, there would have been a lot more hurdles to overcome. And as a, as a, as a woman coming out of having been a mom, um, would you have been taken seriously? Right. Absolutely. it's amazing to me that here we are, this is not our parents' generation. We have so much available to us that we can take, we can be our own advocates of, of our lives and our journeys now. And, and that's what you've done is you've just kind of taken the horse by the reins. Let's go back <laughs> to the horses and, and created your own path, which is amazing. You know, I think that's right, but I didn't really set out that way. I mean, I just started one thing and I was like, oh, I really like, you know, book reviewing. I'll form this Instagram account. And then, you know, I thought, oh, I would really like to work part-time in a bookstore. My kids are old enough now. So I did that. And then I thought, oh, I'll host a lawyer. I mean, I'll host an author. This will be fun. I did that. And it's just sort of like one thing at a time. And I think launching the podcast when I did, and you know, when you did, I think everybody had learned a lot of this. Like, I think if I had done it the year before, where obviously there were still millions upon millions of podcasts, but I think doing an interview podcast and having your guests familiar with the technology and what they're doing, I think when I launched it and as I've continued to, you know, most people are so familiar with all of this now mm-hmm. that the learning curve is not so steep and it's a lot easier, but you're right. None of this could really happen without all of these different technologies. Yeah. I mean, you may raise a great point too, that I think is so important for anybody who is, um, who's maybe, you know, feeling uh, one of the reasons I do the podcast is the, that I was feeling very stuck, um, as I was approaching the age of 50 and feeling like, where, you know, just, just a sense of like, blah, you know, um, even though I was doing my photography business full time, which I love it, there was a, there was a, Hmm, what am I going to do later? Like, I don't know if I'll do photography when I'm 70, but I don't ever see myself retiring. What could it be? And I think it's what you did was just kind of step into the next right thing for yourself. You, you followed like impulses that were like, oh, this is interesting to me and this would be fun. Um, and I think it's so important for people to start there, to start with what it, you know, what is a natural draw for you and just see where it goes. Like if we could just stay curious and... You know, I think you're right. And, you know, even like on my book columns, I had really wanted to write for this magazine for probably a solid two years before they hired me on. And I would just periodically check in and not really have a response. And then I launched the salon and somebody came and covered the salon for the magazine. And then I said, well, why we're doing this? Would you mind mentioning the column again? And here we are. And I started online with the weekly column. I waited like six months. And then I was like, cause they have a print magazine in four big areas of Houston. And then they have their online presence. So I said, well, could I also launch it? You know, so I just sort of kept at it. And so it wasn't like it all just fell into my lap. A lot of times, you know, I was like, well, this is something I'd really like to do. And I kept pressing and eventually it happened. But, you know, I think that's, I think that's some of it. You just have to 
keep at it and keep trying. And, Mm -hmm. you know, same with the podcast. I mean, there are so many podcasts out there, finding Mm -hmm. your listeners, you know, making sure you're kind of, you know, rising above some of them. It's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But if you like what you're doing, the work is, a it just has a different feeling. Like I, you know, the, the job that I was at, um, while I was first learning photography and I was just doing photography as a side gig, that job felt heavy to me because it was a job that had, that didn't inspire me that, that didn't, you know, it, it was a slog. It was a necessity. It was a, you know, a necessary evil. I had to go make money. Um, the work that I do now is work that I love and I don't make a ton of money, but I, it, you know, hopefully maybe someday I get there. Um, and that's all good. Um, I am fortunate in that I, you know, my husband helps us get along financially right now. Um, but you know, it's, there's more to life than money and, and there it's amazing how important purpose is. I think that's right. And I actually feel like I learned what you're saying while I was volunteering, because sometimes I would say yes to a job because of who offered it to me, or I would be doing it with friends. And sometimes I would take it because it sounded interesting. And I learned over time, I'm not going to do the jobs that I don't like very well, very well. You know, I would not want to do them and it would hang over my head. Heavy is a great description. And Mm -hmm. I would just be like, this is either so boring or whatever it is. And then the things that I really enjoyed doing I would have no problem getting through them. I would be like, oh, I'd love doing this. I'll just sit down and get it done. And I felt like that was probably the biggest lesson there was do agree to do the things you want to do, find what you love, don't be doing the things you don't want to do. And I think that really helped me as I then was trying to figure out what I was doing next because I didn't want to commit myself to the next 20 years of something that I hated. Right. And I mean, the reality is, is that sometimes you just have to do what you have to Absolutely. do. You know, Absolutely. You know, I mean, and I did. And, and right. you know, of course, uh, but you learned from that. And I right. think that's, you know, absolutely. I mean, just like I was talking with the lawyer, I mean, I didn't love it, but I certainly needed to work, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree. It, yeah. But and it I just think, made me all the more determined as I was right. doing it to work the photography to the point where it was like, okay, now I can legitimately go do this. Exactly. And so you just use it as a means to an end. Mm -hmm. And I always think about Mary Laura Philpott has a book called When I Miss You When I Blink. And in the intro, she talked about her path and how it wasn't just this straight path, you know, on the road. And that's the way she went. But instead, she just picked up these little kind of rocks as she went and it all sort of came together. And Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly how I would describe what happened with me. I didn't say, okay, I need to get from here to there. And I must do these five things. Instead, I just said, I love to read. I'm going to start doing this. Oh, this sounds like fun. I'm going to start doing this. And I feel like I just kept, you know, putting the Play-Doh together till I had a big enough ball kind of thing. (laughs) I love that image. That's great. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, what are you excited about that's coming up next? Book-wise or just projects-wise? The world is your oyster, however you want to answer that. I always feel like I fall into projects. So other than the fact that our salon is going back to in-person, which I am thrilled to pieces about. Um, so that will be wonderful. We have two authors in September, two in October. And then I now partner with Blue Willow Bookshop here in Houston, mm-hmm. and she's going to speak at our December event. So I'm thrilled about all of that. And then 
Book-wise, there's a lot of heavy hitters coming out this fall. Jody Picot has a new book, Amor Tolls, Colson Whitehead. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, it'll be interesting to see how all those books land, you know? Yeah, yeah. I have so enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you and can't wait to stay in touch and uh, and find out what you're doing next. And, um, you know, just just keep this conversation going. I would love that. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. And yes, I hope we can continue to work together and find some fun things to do. Yeah. And um, before we go, where are people going to find you? What's the best place for people to come find Cindy Burnett? So it's thoughtsforamapage.com and I'll, you can link to my book articles there. I have blog posts, all my social media, all the podcasts, everything is there. Okay, cool. Oh man, man, oh man. I love it. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I did. I love that Cindy has found a way to make her love of reading front and center in the business that she's building. It just goes to show that we all have skills that we've been honing all our lives that we can take and use towards our next big dream. The show notes are going to be packed with links this week to the books we talked about. And if you want to learn more about Cindy Burnett and always have a great book recommendation in front of you, I'll have links where you can find her website and podcast. Just go to latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast and click on the show notes for episode 76. And hey, if you enjoyed the podcast today, can you please take a quick minute to share the episode with someone you love or leave a review or rating so other people can find their way here? Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.